All right, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. We are at a good spot in our study through the Gospel of Matthew to uh, take a brief break. Um, So our text today from God's Word will be Psalm 28. If you're using the Black Bibles, that can be found on page 460. And so as you find that, would you stand once again, if you're able, please, for the reading of God's Word. Please follow along as I read Psalm 28. A Psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. Every day, whether personally or through the media, we are bombarded with evil and chaos. Social changes that violate God's word and jeopardize our religious liberty. Movements that persecute Christians and and threaten our country. A shrinking confidence that our governing leaders will do the right thing or can even protect us. Let alone then the daily pressures and anxieties of caring for our loved ones and dealing with the choices they make. And then there's the relentless personal battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'll I'll probably mention that a few times in this sermon. And it's not just a throwaway line, you know, a throwaway cliche, oh, we battle the world, the flesh, the devil. We really do, right? The Bible says that. Ephesians 6, that... um, um, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and rulers of this age. And Second Corinthians talks about uh, having to take captive every thought and demolish strongholds. We have to hold and cling to the gospel in this battle, the spiritual battle that we face. And so these realities, the, these realities of this chaos, of, of the battle, of the, of the evil, I know that these realities bog us down. They leave us feeling burdened. They leave us feeling discouraged maybe even fearful and anxious. And so as I thought about that and thought about that this week, uh, it's like you ask yourself, well, what can we do? Right? What can we do uh, given what's going on? What should we do when we, when we in our own soul feel discouraged, when we feel fearful, when we even um, are feeling despairing? What should we do? Well, today as we study Psalm 28, we will see two ways that we should respond in the midst of chaos. 
You could call them two practices, two habits for the believer as we live in this fallen world. And these two responses are what we see David doing in this psalm as he himself faced calamity, as he was in the midst of a crisis. So there's a flow to Psalm 28 here, as, and you may have already noticed it when we read it, but David moves at the beginning from desperation in the face of a crisis, and he moves to confident trust in the Lord in the midst of those same circumstances. And so this psalm can easily be broken into two parts, which will correspond with the two ways that we should respond in the midst of chaos. So if you're taking notes, there's really just two points today to the outline. Number one is desperate prayer to the Lord. Desperate prayer to the Lord. That's the first response that we see from David. That's what we see in verses 1 through 5. We don't know the exact setting, but clearly David is in the midst of a crisis because of his enemies. He's in a place of danger and great need. And so what does he do? He calls out to the Lord in desperate prayer. Look at verse 1 again. To you, O Lord, I call. David cries out to God in prayer. He's, he's not looking to someone else. He's not looking to him, himself. No, he's looking to the Lord. Notice Lord is in all capital letters. And you know that means that and David is using the covenant name of the Lord, Yahweh. David knows that in amazing grace, uh, Almighty God, the creator of the universe, had, had entered into this covenant with him. David had graciously committed himself to him. God had committed himself to David. And so that, no wonder then David is calling out to him. No wonder he goes on to say, my rock, in verse 1, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. So see, he's calling out to God in prayer. You can feel and hear the desperation in his voice. And he's acknowledging, though, that the Lord is his rock. Right? You get that picture? We're talking about a huge rock, a a, a fortress, a shelter, a refuge, a place David can run to for protection, a place he can go to for security, for strength. He's saying, God, you are my protection. You are my defense. It's in you alone that I can find refuge from the danger of this world. So what a beautiful truth that is, right? We heard it, and not, not just here, we heard it in our call to worship. We see it throughout the Bible. God is a rock for his people. Right? We're blessed to have, have mountains with big rocks, right? You know, so we should get that picture. God is a rock. He is a refuge. That's true for all of us today who are united to Christ through faith. God is our rock. He's a shelter in the time of storm. And so we can say with David, Lord, when, even though when I'm being, uh, trials are, are buffeting me, right? You know, there's that picture in Scripture as well, like the, just wave after wave of trials, or, or I run to you for refuge. I run to you for shelter. Even when the evil one is hurling his fiery darts at me, the, doubt, the darts of doubt and discouragement, Lord, you are my shield. You are my protection, When all around me, life seems to be crumbling and falling apart. You are the one I run to for stability. That's what David's saying. We see that truth throughout the Bible, don't we? God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Though the earth gives way, right? Those who are um, trusting in the Lord will not be 
shaken. They will not be moved. We sing about it, right? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Where else can we, can we go to for protection? Where else can we go to for stability? <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, it's not government. It's not, it's not countries or kingdoms. It's not resources. All those things are, are fleeting and, and unstable. But Christ is constant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? And we know he is always true. He is always faithful. He's sovereign. He's good. He's loving. And so he is a, a, a refuge. He is a, a rock. And that's what David is saying. He's, he's praying this way, right? He's, he's saying, Lord, I'm appealing to you because you are my rock. You are my defense. You are my protection. And so basically he's saying, fulfill that role for me now. <laughs> right? I need you now, Lord. I need you to be that for me now. Be my defense. Be my protection against the evil of this world. So David is, is pleading with God to hear his prayer. Right? Did you notice that? There's, he's saying, don't be deaf to me. Uh, he says in verse 1, lest you be silent to me. Right? So we kind of get the sense that uh, maybe David's been praying this way for a little while. Right? Uh, maybe he's already been praying for a period of time this way and, and he so far, he doesn't sense that God is answering his prayer, but he's continuing in faith and perseverance to call out, right? Just as the Bible teaches us, Luke 18, right? The parable of the persistent widow, right? Call out, be, pers- be persistent, keep praying. If even an a, a evil, unmerciful human judge finally gives in, how much more will your heavenly Father who loves you Hear the prayers of his people as they come to him persistently, faithfully, crying out to him. So again, look at verse 1. He says, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. The pit stands for death. So again, we see how dire the situation is, right? This is a, a life and death situation. David needs to be rescued. He's desperate. He's saying, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. <laughs> I mean, if... When you cut through it all, that's basically what he's saying. Lord, if you don't answer me, if you don't rescue me, I'm, I'm done for. Verse 2. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. David again asks God to hear his prayers, right? So I, I trust you see these are not just casual rote prayers, right? He's not just kind of checking a box, going through the motions here. No, he's crying out for mercy. He's crying out for help. He's lifting up his hands. What a symbol that is, right? We know people in prayer lift up their hands and it's, you know, really it's, it's like a symbol of dependence, right? It's like, I've got nothing, right? I'm not cl- clinging to anything. I'm looking to you. I can't solve this, but I'm, I'm looking to you for help. I'm looking to you for deliverance. David desperately needs God. He's fervently seeking the Lord. Notice it says David directs his prayers toward God's holy sanctuary, right? In the verse 2, toward your most holy sanctuary. Well, he's talking about the tabernacle, right? We put ourselves in the time of David. This is before the temple, but they had the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was. And if you remember what the Ark of the Covenant is, that's where God in his grace and mercy to the nation of Israel had, had made his presence especially known. It was... Of course, God is everywhere, right? But it was, it was uh, kind of like a, 
a physical, visual manifestation for Israel that God is with you. God is in the midst of you. you. He's made a covenant with you. You belong to him. And so David directs his prayers that way, right? He, he, he's looking to the tabernacle and he's saying, God, I know you're with me. I know you love me. I know I'm one of your people. And so he's, he's fervently, desperately seeking God. You see, you see faith, but you also see desperation, don't you? It's a desperate faith. And so what about us today as we pray? You know, I mean, we don't, I'm, I'm talking specifically about the tabernacle. You know, David looking at the tabernacle. What, to, to him, he, he looked at that direction. I don't know if he could see it or not, but he was looking that direction in his mind's eye. He could certainly see it. And for him, that was an encouragement. That was a reminder. God is with me. God loves me. God is for me. I'm one of his. Well, we don't have the Ark of the Covenant or the tabernacle, right? What, what would we look to? for that same encouragement, for that same um, assurance that God loves us, that we belong to him. What can we look to in our mind's eye? The cross, right? The cross. There's another place where God has made his presence known, is it not? There's another place where God has demonstrated his love, his mercy, his grace, his deliverance makes me think of, since we're kind of comparing the two things, it makes me think of uh, John chapter 1 where it says the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. That The word, the, the eternal son of God literally tabernacled among us, <laughs> right? So we do have a tabernacle to look to. We look to Christ on the cross. We're reminded there that on the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ bore the sins of his people and suffered the very wrath of God. And so God has made his presence known. He's come through his one and only son to live among us and to die in our place. And there Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so that all who believe in him are forgiven and reconciled to God forever. That's that's the good news of the gospel. That's the only way a person can be saved from God's wrath that, they, that we all deserve. And for the believer, we continue to preach the, the gospel to ourselves because it reminds us of God's great love for us. So again, think about the situation David's in. Think about the situation sometimes you find yourself in where you're just really struggling, you know, with trials or, or, or maybe, again, maybe it's the evil that's around you or maybe it's your own, your own struggles and your own failings, your own sin. And you're just really struggling and you're thinking, does God even love me? Is God still for me? Is God, does God see? Does God care? Is God here? And so loved ones, I'm encouraging you to look to the gospel. Look to the cross. And there you are reminded, yes, God loves me. I mean, as we think about the gospel, it should settle that question once and for all. Does God care? Is God committed to me? Does God love me? Yes, 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 right? He has demonstrated that in the most powerful, the most precious way he could by sending his own son to die in our place. And so, yes, we know God loves us. We know God hears our prayers. And so when we're overwhelmed, when we're in a crisis, when we're, when, when we're discouraged, we can pray with confidence, God, I know you love me. You've already demonstrated that. 
Like it says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so as we continue to meditate on the gospel, as we continue to think about the cross and the empty tomb, we think, God, you, you do love me. In fact, you tell me that you've, through Christ, you've adopted me <laughs> as your own. Right? Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Now we can pray, our Father who art in heaven. So not only just, yes, our covenant Lord, but our heavenly Father. I know you love me. I know you hear my prayers. You are a good father. You want me to come to you. And so, again, that should just fuel our, our confidence and also fuel our desperation and say, Father, I need you now. I need you now, Father. I'm weak. I'm in danger. I need you, Father. And so as we think about the gospel, as we think about the cross, it not only reminds us of God's great love, but also his sovereign power, right? Because what, what did he accomplish at the cross? Jesus died in the place of sinners, but then on the third day he rose again in victory. Jesus, having um, completed his, his mission of redemption, he, having successfully paid the penalty in full for the sins of his people, he defeated sin and death and rose again then later exalted to the Father's right hand. So it reminds me that Christ is Lord, right? And so as I pray, I'm reminded of God's love for me. I'm reminded that Jesus is reigning now in heaven, that he's sovereign over all. And think about that. Again, death and sin and and Satan and his minions could not defeat Jesus, and they will not defeat him now. And the Bible says, I am in, in Christ's hand. Right? He is a good shepherd. No one can snatch me out of his hand. And he is in heaven, having been given all authority, and he's building his kingdom. He's carrying out his plan, and no one will thwart that. No one can stop him. And so, again, it's with great confidence, even though we're in the midst of, of, the, of the opposition. We're in the midst of the of the, the evil and the struggle, we know that, that Jesus is in full control, right? He's not, no one's having to second guess his plans, or they shouldn't, right? He's, he's not failed to prepare. He's not failed to execute and carry out. No, he's carrying out his plan. And it's a good plan. It's a perfect plan. So in our desperation, we pray with confidence, knowing that God loves us and that he's sovereignly working through whatever we're facing, trials, whatever it is, he's working through all that for our good and his glory, right? Romans 8, 28. So that's the desperation. We're still in the first part of the psalm. As we get to verses 3 through 5, we see David's actual petition, like the actual request, what he's specifically asking for from God. Verse 3, do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. So you see what he's saying? He's saying, God, don't, don't lump me in with the wicked. Don't give me the same fate that they're going to have. You know, he describes them. He says they're evil. They're workers of evil. They're hypocrites. And then he's saying, Lord, I'm distinct from them. They rebel against your word. They don't care about you. But by your grace, I'm not like them. I love you. I'm, I'm seeking to obey you. So don't treat me like the wicked. 
And as Christians, we know God has made us distinct from this world. We too used to be slaves to sin. We too used to be um, blindly following the course of this world and following the, the prince of the power of this air, right? But God in his grace and power reached down and rescued us. He delivered us out of the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Again, he's adopted us. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. We're no longer slaves to sin. And so we are distinct. We belong to Christ. And so by God's grace, we will not be swept away with the wicked. Right? That reminds us of our, of our uh, hope, our certain future. Christian, you will not be swept away with the wicked. Yes, in this life, in this fallen world, we are going to experience pain and hardship. We're, we may even be persecuted, just as the world persecuted Jesus before us, whom, whom we're following, right? Students not above his master. If they treated him that way, they, we surely can expect them to treat us this way. So yes, in this world, we're going to experience pain and hardship, but praise God, we will not suffer the same fate as the wicked. And that is encouraging. Remember Psalm 73 when Asaph was so discouraged and he was like, you know, I had, my feet had almost slipped. I was about ready to give up and kind of chuck my whole faith. But then by God's grace, he went into the temple and he says, I discerned their end. And he realized my fate is not the same as theirs by your grace. God will not cause us to suffer the same fate as the wicked. He will treat us according to his grace and his mercy even as he deals with the wicked then according to his justice and his wrath. And, and that, of course, that reminds us about the return of Christ, right? In the end, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's reigning and ruling now, in the end, he's coming again to judge the world. And the sheep will be separated from the goats. And he promises that he's going to gather his own and will be uh, w- with God forever in the new heavens and the new earth, a place of no more pain, no more Uh, evil, no more persecution, no more sin, no more death. But the wicked, those who reject Christ as Lord and Savior, will be cast into the lake of fire. And so, that's what David's saying in verse 3, don't don't treat me with the same fate as the wicked. But in verse 4, then he asks God to judge the wicked. Right? It flows right into that. He says, repay them for the evil that they're doing. Verse 4, give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Now again, you may say, man, that sounds a little harsh, but I don't, David's not being harsh. He's not being vengeful. Um, as we look at verse 5, we see what his motivation is. Right? He's saying, because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. So David's not just saying, I want to be vindicated. I want vengeance on my enemies. I mean, he's, he's primarily saying, God, I want you to be vindicated. Did you notice the kind of the, the contrast going on there? He's saying, with their works and their deeds, they're doing evil. They're not regarding your works. They're not regarding the work of your hands, Lord. 
And so he's saying, Lord, I want your works, I want your word to be shown as true, to be proven true. I know it's true, but I want it to be known. I want your name to be glorified. I want Christ to be revered. I want your word to be proven and and seen as true. And we see David is confident even that God will do this. He will hold them accountable. God will destroy them by tearing them down, building them up no more. And so certainly now as believers, we long for people to be saved, right? And then we've been given instructions to, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we plead with people, be reconciled to God. And so we long for that, but we also, in God's timing, long for his name to be vindicated. We long for those who blaspheme the name of God to be silenced. We long for those who persecute God's people to be thwarted. We long for the name of Christ to be exalted around this world, for the truth of the gospel to be known and seen once and for all, for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover this whole world as the waters cover the, the land. And one day that will happen, right? Again, when Christ returns and gathers his own, judges his enemies, the whole world will see, wow, the gospel was right. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And again, it'll be too late for many, sadly. But don't, don't we long for that day, though, right? We long for Christ's name to be magnified, And so that's our, our, the first heading, a desperate prayer. Uh, praying with desperation to the Lord. And as I thought about, again, what we face every day, what it looks like to try to walk by faith in a fallen world, again, I, I know just from talking with you, I know from my own struggle, daily struggle, a lot of us get anxious, right? A lot of us get discouraged. Oftentimes we feel overwhelmed, Right? That's the reality. But now, here's, here's the, the kicker. What do we do when that happens? Specifically, do we pray? Do we seek the Lord? Do we fervently and persistently cry out to God in those times? That's what David did. And I'm convicted by that, you know, as I think about that, because... <laughs> yet, Right? You don't have to work hard to get, to get anxious, right? I mean, you don't have to work hard to get overwhelmed. That just happens from living in the, the world. But it's not a given that we turn that around and pray, right? Sometimes we just kind of stay in that, and we just kind of, you know, just flounder in that, right? In that, in that anxiety, in that discouragement, or we try to just, you know, kind of power through it in our own strength. And loved ones, I'm calling on us to to learn from David here and to desperately seek the Lord, to desperately pray to him. When you're grieved by the evil in this world, pray for God to deliver his people and vindicate his name. As you daily battle the world, the flesh, and the devil, fervently cry out for help. Cry out for strength to persevere, for grace to walk by faith, for courage to stand for Christ. 
Again, I've been saying, well, yeah, a lot of us feel overwhelmed, a lot of us feel discouraged, and I think that's true. But I, I think some of us fail to recognize the battle that we're really in, right? Again, it's, maybe it's becoming increasingly clear as our culture gets more and more secular. But we desperately need God's grace every day. And so let us seek him. David's first response to chaos and crisis was desperate prayer to the Lord. And now uh, I'll cover the next part quickly. Verses 6 through 9, we see David's second response. Right? First one was desperate prayer to the Lord. Second one, praise and confidence in the Lord. Praise and confidence in the Lord. The tone shifts in verse 6. It's like you can just see David's heart is beginning to lift. He began the psalm overwhelmed, maybe even anxious, but now having fervently prayed to the Lord, having rolled his burdens onto the Lord, having reminded himself of God's love and justice, you see this new attitude, this new hope, this new faith coming up from David. Rather than being bogged down in discouragement, David's heart is full of praise and faith. Look at verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, he says, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. David knows that God hears him. Now again, to my understanding, David's circumstances have not changed yet, right? I mean, he's still probably in the midst of this chaos. He still is facing dangers. But what has changed, he has a renewed confidence that God has heard his prayer. David sought the Lord and God has answered him with a reminder of God's loving presence and protection. And so look at what he says in verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. You see what he's saying? Almighty God is for me. He will protect me from the evil one. I knew he was my rock and now I, I'm, I'm just rejoicing in that, right? My feet are firmly planted in that truth. That nothing can separate me from the love of God. That he will never leave me or forsake me. That his mercies are new every morning. That he's going to give me the grace and strength that I need moment by moment to trust him and follow him in obedience. He continues then. In him my heart trusts, right? And I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. So again, you see the the flow here as David prays and rehearses who God is. David is filled with faith. His confidence in God is renewed. Again, I don't think his circumstances have changed, but he affirms his trust in the Lord. God's going to take care of me. The Lord will see me through this. And notice then what happens as David trusts in the Lord. He is helped, he says. I mean, there's some good, I don't know if you want to call it synergy or whatever is going on here, but I mean, it's like it just keeps getting better. His faith, he keeps getting more and more help and grace as he draws near to the Lord. He's helped. As David prays and trusts and praises the Lord, David is helped. His soul is lifted up. His faith is strengthened. His spirit is filled with joy. He says his heart exults and he praises and gives thanks, gives thanks to the Lord. What a model for us, isn't it? And I want to show you quickly a New Testament teaching on this. Hold your finger there, please, in Psalm 28. The flip to Philippians 4. How do you like that? Flip to Philippians, huh? How about turn to Philippians? That might be a little easier to say. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Verse 
I mean, as you, as you read that, you know, as you see David's progression here, it couldn't help but remind me of, of this passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be, no, be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what David is, has done by God's grace and what he's experiencing here? Back to Psalm 28. I love that phrase in this verse. In him my heart trusts, in this one, and I am helped. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? I am helped. Loved ones, praying to God helps. And again, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to just sound totally pragmatic. I know we do it in worship. We do it because we have a relationship with God. But that's what David says. Desperately praying to God helps. Trusting in the Lord helps. Praising God, rejoicing in the Lord helps. (laughs) Have you experienced that? Amen, right? You start off the day, or maybe it's some, something that happens to you in the middle of the day, but you're, man, you're discouraged. Again, you're in this fallen world, and everything, nothing seems to be going right, and the evil's all around you, and you're so tired of, of people opposing Christ and, and, and his, blaspheming his name, and, and you're tired of the battle going on within you, and that discouragement then morphs into fear and doubt and defeat. But by God's grace... Haven't you had those moments when you, in, in that, in the midst of that crisis, in the midst of that chaos, you turned to the Lord and you sought him. You read his word, you prayed to him, you spent time with him. And your heart was helped, wasn't it? Your soul was helped. Your faith was helped. He, he breathes new life into us. He gives us strength to do what he's called us to do. He gives us the courage to boldly follow Christ, to continue walking by faith. We're helped. I've been helped when I do that. And we're, we're usually thinking, why didn't I do this sooner, right? <laughs> but you know what I've also found to be true? Again, maybe by God's grace, I do that. I do something kind of like what David's done. I'm helped. I'm encouraged Get back out there, right? And guess what? The next day, I need to do it all over again, right? I need to do all, it all over again, sometimes even before the next day, right? Because new discouragements come. New darts get thrown at you. New, new rocks trip you up and stumble, cause you to stumble. So loved ones, we need to do this every day. We need to be desperately seeking the Lord. We are helped. And I know I'm belaboring that I'm helped, but it's so straightforward. But how often, how often do we turn to things that don't help? Right? In the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our doubt, our flesh says, you know what, it, you, just need, you just need to go watch a movie. <laughs> Right, you know, let's let, ah, this stuff's too hard. Let's let's kind of have a little escape here. 
Let's, let's just scroll through social media. Let's check out Fox News. That will encourage you, right? No. Again, I, it's a battle, right? Our, I, don't, I don't understand it, but I know it's true. Our, our flesh goes to the very things that, that don't help us. But let us, by grace, by God's grace, go to the Lord because it's there that we'll find our help. It's there that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. We'll we'll bring this in for a landing here. As David continues then to express his confidence in verse 8, then the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. I'm not positive, but I think maybe David's referring to himself there. He was anointed, right? He was the anointed king. He's the Lord's anointed. But notice, by praying and praising God, David has been reminded of who God is, and he's been filled with faith to trust him. And now notice what happens in verse 9. This is really cool. It kind of starts to happen in verse 8, but we especially see it in verse 9. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Do you see what's happened? David, who's been strengthened and encouraged personally, now he's turning his attention out to the broader people of God, right? And he wants other, as we would say, other believers to experience this same help. He wants other believers to experience the confidence that he's been given, the renewed hope, the renewed faith that he's been given. And so now he's, he's praying, oh, oh God, do, do what you've just done for me, do that for others. Draw them to you in faith. Help them to desperately seek you. Meet them in the midst of their crisis. Remind them of your love, remind them of the gospel so that they can be encouraged, so that they can be helped too. What a, again, what a beautiful pattern, isn't it? Right, we... We're discouraged, we're down, we're in the, we're, all we can see is our circumstances. We turn and look to the Lord, we draw near to the Lord, we're helped, we're encouraged. So our eyes are fixed on the Lord, and now our eyes are also look, looking at the needs of others. And isn't that what God calls us to do? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself, or as Christ said, to, to love one another as I have loved you. That's what we're called to do. And so we're helped, and then we, seek, we want to see other people helped. The psalm closes then by David calling on God to carry Israel out of danger, and he gives this picture just as a shepherd carries an injured lamb out of trouble. And so, again, as you're reading this, we can't help but think of Christ, right? I mean, the, the anointed... That makes us think of Christ. Christ was, is the anointed one. That's what it means. The title means. The shepherd especially, right, makes us think of Christ. God fulfilled this prayer ultimately through Jesus Christ. God in the person of Christ be, became the shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. John chapter 10. And although Jesus was dragged away with the wicked... Right? He was crucified between two thieves. He became sin for us. 
That wasn't the end of the story. God heard his cry for help and raised him from the dead. And now risen and exalted, Jesus is our good shepherd. And we know that he will guide us. He will protect us. He will carry us all the way to glory. And so today, if you have never turned to him, if you are are still trying to navigate this this fallen world and, and trying to somehow get yourself right with God in your own strength, I urge you to to look to Christ. He alone can reconcile you to your creator and he will be your savior and your Lord and carry you all the way through, through this life. And so turn from your sins and by faith embrace him as Lord and savior. All right, let's pray. Father, we praise you for being a loving Father. What amazing grace that you would save us at the cost of your own Son, that you are so faithful to us even though we are still so stubborn and, 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 and so often fail you. We praise you for the gospel. We praise you that in Christ we are declared righteous, that in Christ all our sins are forgiven. And that, again, nothing can separate us from your love. And so I pray for your people today. I pray that you will encourage them as we live in this this fallen world. Lord, help us to daily seek you. Give us a a fervency. Give us a a desperation. Give us an ongoing dependence on you, knowing that you love us and knowing how much we need you. And may we experience that help. I pray that many of us will increasingly experience that peace of God which passes all understanding so that we can um, live out our faith, so that we can be distinct, so that we can give a reason for the hope that lies within us, that you would be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand, please? And we want to Do like David did, declare our thanks and praise to God by singing, Lord, I need you.